Welcome to the Ringer NBA Show. I'm Kevin O'Connor, and this is Draft Class calling in from Dallas, Texas, as he does every week. It's a Ringer staff writer, Jonathan Charks. What's up, guys? It's almost here. I'm excited. Draft time. We're one week away. We're recording this on a Thursday. Y'all will hear it on a Friday. That's why I'm especially excited to welcome back from his one-week hiatus. It's Ringer's popular writer, Danny Chow. My voice is back, so let's go. I'm ready for this. Draft class is produced by Isaac Lee, as always. Isaac, we've got some special guests lined up today, don't we? Yeah, we do. We have a Chicago Bulls fan, Tommy Alter from The Ringer. We got Kevin Clark, Orlando Kevin Magic Clark. fan. And, Slow news day. <laughs> and The Ringer NBA show's very own Chris Vernon. Yes, my best friend, Chris oh, Vernon. Kevin's better half. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we sure do act like a married couple every, every Tuesday on The Ringer <laughs> NBA show, that's for sure. Anyway, guys, let's do it. So Michael Porter appears to be on the rise, even though last night I reported that he canceled his Friday workout in Chicago. The Suns, Knicks, Kings, Grizzlies, and maybe a couple other teams drafting in the lottery were supposed to attend that. But as Draft Express's Jonathan Gavoni reported this morning, that workout was actually canceled because Porter's hip is allegedly strained. Mm. So there's some type of issue mm. that may have caused that workout to be canceled. But then Yahoo Sham Sharania followed up that he went underwent an MRI and he's fine and that workout could be rescheduled. But John, there's only a week to go until the draft, man. What do you make of Porter's rise despite this reported strained hip that he had that prevented him from getting out of bed? It's hard to know. It's just hard to know because there's so much noise right now. But if it is a smokescreen, saying the guy is hurt after back surgery is a pretty good smokescreen to get people off him if that's what's going on here. <laughs> I'm here for that. I'm also here to salute Mark Bartlestein, Porter's agent right now. I, I, I feel like this is incredible. <laughs> the guy's coming off of a serious back injury. Now we're reporting that he has maybe a hip injury <laughs> and simultaneously he's climbing the boards. <laughs> like this is legendary work B- right now. B- Bartlestein is... is- one of the most active agents in the NBA and probably one of the best for sure too considering the amount of money he's got for his players. So I think for him it's interesting because there was a report that Chandler Hutchinson from Boise State got promised. There was a report that Kevin Herter, his other client, got promised. Jeremy Wu uh, reported that yesterday from Sports Illustrated. Also worth pointing out, uh, Hutchinson got promised apparently by the Bulls, we think. And so the Bulls also at seven can get Porter. So maybe they bump both those guys. And the funny thing is, Charks, is that With the Porter connection, Sam Amick reported yesterday that he may have a strong connection with the Kings, which we've talked about on this podcast before. Maybe the Grizzlies, where we have him going in the Ringer's updated mock drafts at four. I don't know. I mean, it certainly does seem like he's rising. I think as we talked about last week, Jonathan, his go-to scoring ability certainly has appeal. I'm not quite as high on him for a number of reasons that we discussed before, but do you think that there is some logic to him being drafted second or fourth in this year's draft class? I mean, there's definitely some logic. If you look at the way the game is going, Porter's six foot ten. He can shoot. He's got some handles. He can play on the perimeter. Maybe even be a small five at some point. And I mean, it makes sense. He was considered the top prospect before he got injured. So if you think he's 100% healthy and you loved him before, I mean, there are obviously concerns either way, but people did like him a lot before he was hurt. So it, doesn't, it isn't crazy he could go that high if people think he's 100% healthy. So I have a question. Considering his back injury, considering this potential hip injury, mm-hmm. is this on par with mm-hmm. the job Dion Waiters' agent did in 2012, where basically they canceled an entire month's worth of workouts to allow Dion Waiters to just 
eat chips for about a month <laughs> while he was just raking in all of these promises from like every single lottery team imaginable. Where does this rank? I think it's pretty high up there because of the fact that, as you mentioned earlier, he he missed, missed basically the entire season right. with the back injury, which is a serious thing. I mean, Absolutely. Ba- any back injury is serious, which is why the hip is interesting because the hip is connected to the back. And oftentimes, mm-hmm. hip hip injuries and back injuries Indeed. are yeah. connected the to The hip each other. bone is connected to the back bone. Yes. Exactly. There you go. <laughs> yes. So it's... Certainly fascinating, but putting aside Bartlestein, I do think Michael Porter, the player, as Jonathan just mentioned, is intriguing because of the nature's, nature of today's game, because of the fact go-to scoring is the hardest skill to find. Like last year with Jason Tatum, that's why I think he was really hit early for Boston, never mind the situation. But with Michael Porter, he has that scoring skill. I'm not as sold on him. I'm not sure his ball handling is at the level that it needs to be for him to be a great go-to scorer, mm-hmm. but he's still just a kid. He'll be a rookie this coming season. And these teams that saw him in a workout, it's conceivable that in that workout behind closed doors, his ball handling looks significantly better. And he might have been killing it. It doesn't matter if he's going against air, going against a chair, going against nobody. It doesn't make a difference. If the ball handling is tight, that's what unleashes his scoring ability, which is there. It's real, Danny. I don't know, man. I, I've we've, we've heard about the chair before. We, we, know, we, we know what the chair can do. You know, so uh, I'm I'm also not too sold on it, but yeah, as we've been talking about, like this guy was an elite talent coming out of high school, and he had, I mean, he has some of the most tape you can get out of a guy who basically only mm-hmm. has his high school as his resume. Yeah, he played in international tournaments. Like he's been pretty, he was pretty well scouted before college. I can see from his point of view too why he'd want to go to Chicago. That's a nice situation for a young player. They got a good young core, big market high-profile franchise, it would make sense to try to get him there if you were his agent. I could see that, too. The question really is, is if he makes it there, though. Right. Uh, because of Sacramento at two and then Memphis at four, I do wonder if he falls that far. If I'm Sacramento, like, they are open to trading down. I do wonder, how, this is a conspiracy theory that just came to mind, but... I'm um, here for it. <laughs> so if Sacramento, if Sacramento had, had planned to trade down to get Porter, theoretically... Maybe you put that out there that like workouts canceled, you know, maybe there's some promise from Memphis or Dallas or whoever. I'm just just saying because you want Sacramento to be forced to draft him in the second spot because Mm. of the financial implications of him earning less money if he's in the fifth or sixth spot getting drafted. It's similar to like Gordon Hayward last year with Bartlestein, who would not take any little bit of a pay cut at all for Hayward, despite his deal being in a $200 million range. Because of the fact that he's going to get the most for his clients, that's what he's always done, and he probably always. I mean, will remember do. when he got he got Joe Ingles what fifty four million dollars by like waving Hayward in front of Utah? I mean, that guy's a good agent for sure. I mean, this is becoming like the the Mark Bartlesian praise podcast, but like, he, <laughs> he, he he gets his dudes paid. Very smart guy, and it's going to be very intriguing to see what happens with Michael Porter. And the other interesting guy on the rise is Kentucky forward Kevin Knox. Actually, fairly similar mold as Michael Porter. Uh, six foot eight, long arms, athletic, younger than Porter, about a year younger. And right now in the Ringers updated 2018 mock draft, we have him going seventh to the Bulls. And the reason why I put him there in the mock is because I would have had Porter there, but we have Porter going fourth to Memphis. And I've heard there's interest from Chicago at seven. Nick's at nine and Kevin Knox. He seems to be on the rise at this point in the draft. Danny, you're not as high on the, him as as I am. Mm-hmm. Charks, you have him at 15th. What is it about Knox that 
that has you holding back because I'll explain why afterwards, but I'm starting to feel a lot better about him as hmm. the draft approaches. There isn't one skill that I'm like, okay, this guy can go in the NBA right away and he could provide this. I think he's an interesting prospect. He has a lot of the same pros and cons as a guy like Michael Porter. He seems kind of more like a rhythm player with the ball in his hands. I I, I wonder if situation is going to be key for him. He's going to need a, a spot that's going to give him the freedom to kind of do a little bit of what he was he's been able to do in the past. I don't know if he's really that great of a spot-up shooter. You mentioned how he's not going to be able to contribute right away. Right. When I first heard about him potentially rising into the mid-lottery, mm-hmm. the person said to me, he's like, think about teams that don't need somebody to make an impact right away, right. where they can be patient. And Charks, you have him 15th, which was at the moment higher than both me and Danny. Um, what is the appeal of Knox? I mean, I think, A, he kind of fits the mold of like your small ball four. He's 6'9", kind of got a good frame, seven-foot wingspan. The thing with him, with a lot of Kentucky guys, is you wonder, would he look better in a different situation? So, as I talked about before in this podcast, Kentucky was really put together poorly this season, and Knox was pretty much their only consistent three-point shooter on their entire roster. And so they pretty much used him as a shooting guard at six foot nine. So that was probably not the best use of his skills. And so you wander in a more open NBA game, would he look better than he did in college, especially considering how young he still is? So we're looking at kind of like the Trey Lyles conundrum of a guy playing sure. yes, kind of yes. out of position. Yep. Yeah. Usually around this time of year, it's like I try to reset everything. Like all my all my draft takes, I try to reset right. and look back at guys. And with Harris, my thoughts are he's 18. He's going to be one of the youngest guys in the draft. You mean Knox, right? Round. Harris, who's Harris? What did I say? Harris. Did I say Harris? You said Harris. Harris. Tobias Harris in mind. Uh, yeah. mm. Mm. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, that, that brings us right into our next point. My original thought was he seems like a Tobias Harris type of player, maybe at his best. But that's where I'm reconsidering where he is so young and he is so fluid as a scorer with his size at six foot nine with a near seven foot wingspan. He's shown defensive ability. He's shown the ability to shoot off the dribble. I think that's one reason why his percentages are a little bit lower. His shot selection isn't great. It takes a lot of mid-range jumpers that really frustrate me watching film of him. But maybe in the right system, Similar to Tatum last year, where maybe in one situation, Tatum's still jacking up all these mid-range jumpers, and like we're looking at him like, oh, he's just another DeRozan. But because he went to Boston, he's in a situation where they're like, where they're like no, you're not shooting mid-range jumpers. If Knox falls into a good situation, maybe he develops into that guy who is forced to take threes, gets the mid-range jumpers out of his diet, and so much of it has to do with situations. I, I, I can see it. Here's what I wonder about that. Like with Knox, so like if he goes to Chicago... Would you put Laurie at four and him at three? I'd be interested to see how that would work. That's a really big front court where the way the league is moving. It's a lot of size, not a terrible amount of speed. It's big and you can do different things. You right. could put you could put Knox at the four because he's a pretty solid rebounder. He's not great. Um, um, Laurie Markner would need to carry a lot of the load, but you could do that for some stints during the game, I think. Like Laurie at five, Knox at four? Yeah, why not? Yeah, I mean, it'd be interesting. Yeah, like I, I wonder about his engagement on defense. Maybe that's just a college thing. We've seen that in the past with the guys like Ben Simmons who are just kind of like disengaged, and then yeah. they they get into the league, they find a, they find the right system, and suddenly everything changes. Right now, while watching him, I, I I see him have these off scoring nights, and I'm like, well, if he's not scoring, how is he going to help this team? You know, how is he going to help his team? And he might not early on because again, like just a solid rebounder, not not mm-hmm. a great one. It depends on like how much he's buying into right. defense. It depends on the situation. That's why a team for like Chicago or a team like New York, or even you know go down the line to a team that's not really pushing for the playoffs now. 
maybe you can deal with him not producing early because you know the reward comes later. But that's always tough. Yeah, I think I'd want him more in New York than Chicago if I was his agent. Like playing with KP to be really, because that would actually work long term. KP at the five, him at the four. That'd be a pretty interesting front court. The Knicks are really interesting. I've, I've heard a couple of contrasting things about them. There's There's been a lot of noise for weeks that they love Trey Young and Trey Young loves them. But but this week, I've heard some stuff about maybe they aren't drafting a point guard there. Um, I'm not sure if they have other plans to get a point guard or maybe they feel more comfortable with Frankie Nicotine. Moody as, as Maybe if it's Moody and Danny. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. But it seems to me that they might be thinking about, you know, a Knox or Miles Bridges or... Michael Porter, if he were to fall to nine, which I don't think he is, it seems to me that they're thinking about a forward there more so than a guard like a Sexton or a Young or whoever. This goes back to kind of what the theme of the past several months in that the way the league is going, you're obviously going to want these guys who can play perimeter offense, but also be guys who can guard on the inside and and kind of be these combo forwards. So obviously, you know, a guy like Kevin Knox, a guy like Miles Bridges makes a lot of sense next to... Chris Dobson next to Tim Hardaway Jr. And who, who else is on this roster? <laughs> Frankie Nicotine. Uh, yeah, Frank, I'm, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure how much is going to stick with this roster moving forward. Right. Aside from Chris Dobson and Frank. I mean, Frank. I think the big question is Frank. Like, can Frank be the point guard or is he better off the ball? That's kind of like the big question hanging over this whole franchise right now. To me, it's like Frankie Nicotine is both. He can play off ball and he can play on ball. I think with today's offenses, you have multiple ball handlers and and Nilakina would be one of them. I'm not sure he's your primary guy. Maybe you need to find that guy, but he can be one of them, I think. I think he's a good Well, passer. that's what I'm saying. Is yeah. he your primary guy or not? That's the question. I kind of want to see him actually have that chance, though, to right? start off. You know, being one, the primary yeah. guy? Yeah. When you say primary, do you mean a guy that's like bringing the ball up the court every time? Because I look at it sometimes like... You have multiple guys bringing the ball up, multiple guys initiating the offense. Well, it's just when, like if he's playing with Trey or Sexton, he's not the primary ball handler. Those guys are primary ball handlers, right? Right. So, what or if you're, he's playing with like Knox and KP, he's the primary ball handler. Or so, what you're saying so is the they question. should actually get his doppelganger in Shy Gildress Alexander and have both of <laughs> Ooh, them. My guy, SGA. Bring, yeah, bring the ball up the floor. I, I, even, I would be totally down for that. I love that guy. But even, and I know this is going to sound really dumb, but is Stephen Curry even the primary ball handler of Golden State? You have Kevin Durant initiating offense a lot. Draymond Green does it a ton, bringing the ball up in transition. Sean Livingston oftentimes. Okay, but who who on the Knicks are you trusting to do well, that? Yeah, I, I, none I, of those I, guys I, are on the Knicks. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe it was. <laughs> I, 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 maybe it's just like a semantics argument uh, about who, who the quote-unquote primary ball handler is. But I guess they answer your original question, Sharks. I don't know. I don't know if Frankie Nicotine is the primary guy. Um, I, I would lean towards no, that you need more of a dominant force, but Nilakina can certainly do it in spurts. If you get a versatile guy like a Trey Young type who can play off ball, I think that's a really, really strong fit on the offensive end of the floor because of Yeah, Nilekina's I'm, I'm kind of with you. I, I remember thinking he's like a better version of George Hill last year. I feel like he's like a plus George Hill. I feel like that's probably, but maybe he's better than that. I don't know. Now we have, from the Rear NBA show, my best friend, Chris Vernon, a.k.a. Chris Vernon Thomas. How you doing, Chris? Oh, this is so amazing. <laughs> I am a loyal listener to draft class, and so to be able to be a guest on We are KOC's better half, so we're happy to have you on. <laughs> <laughs> we are like a married couple, aren't we, Chris? That is exactly what it's Can like. Can never find anything to agree on, especially this year. It's been Marvin Bagley, the guy that you love on the draft, the guy I'm not quite as high on, even though I have him ranked six. He's good. 
seems to be that he could be going number two to Sacramento, Chris, which could mean that he won't be on the board for you at number four for the Memphis Grizzlies. How are you feeling with that pick right now? Well, obviously, it bothers me. I think that uh, <laughs> I think he could probably go two or three. And for the first time last week, someone brought up to me when I said, you know, it was somebody within the league, and I said, God, I hope Bagley is at four, but I think Sacramento's going to take him. And they said, are you sure Porter won't go too? And I was like, what? And then, of course, you saw over the course of the last week, his name really pick up steam, I suppose, until today when he canceled his workout that the Grizzlies and many other teams were, I believe uh, it was only going to be lottery teams were going to be involved in, which was going to be this quote, physically taxing workout that he was going to do. And so Porter is such a wild card here that I'm not so sure. I mean, I don't think as of today and we are now a week away from the draft. I, I don't think that if you said write down, the top five picks in order, how it will be selected, I would not feel confident in anything past number one. I think it's going to be that type of year where all these mock drafts that everybody's consuming, eating them up. People love mock drafts. Right. But on draft night, this could one trade, just one trade in the top five could shake up everything. It could just start the domino effect. And you also see, and you know that I have been, I've been attempting, I'm putting together this list of guys that I'm not saying are going to be the best guys, but what I am saying is guys that I believe are a hundred percent. When's that list dropping? Just so like we know, I'm looking for it, Chris. I oh, look for it every day. It, it will be uh, completed this weekend, so hopefully early next week. Hell yes! And hopefully the I I, I'm, I, I have petitioned. Um, I told uh, Chris Ryan, I am no writer, but I'll give you this. And if you can edit it enough, feel free. Run it on the ringer wherever you want to. We, yeah, um, we'll, we'll totally yeah. put it on the draft guide. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so the fans have been clamoring for that, actually. All right, so I'm putting together these guys. And what I'm going to do is I'm just going to put together the will not fail list, right? I love it. And it's the perfect. hardest <laughs> part of that is dealing with these last couple of weeks and attempting to cancel out the noise. Because what happens, and we're, we're in it right now, and you guys are obviously doing a show talking about the draft every week, all the news, for the most part, is positive. You hear about Jaron Jackson, he killed this workout in Phoenix, <laughs> and Wendell right. Carter's now working out for the Kings, and people are really high on Michael Porter. Now, so that's a perfect example, right? Michael Porter and what's happened over the course of the last, I don't know, two weeks. Okay, so I said this long ago on our NBA show, Kevin, that I start with the draft, no disrespect to the ringers mock draft or anybody that does mock drafts. I start with those and then I say, okay, my starting point is this is wrong. We're going to go <laughs> look back and it's going to look silly. I mean, you're absolutely right. That, that's exactly what mock drafts are. Almost yeah. every year. <laughs> yes. And so, and, but I also know I'm not, I'm not standing on some kind of high mountain saying, and I'm the only one that knows. <laughs> Verno Thomas am, knows. But, but what I am saying is I am only attempting to find sure things because what we are going to do is we're going to look back at those. We're going to go, that pick was stupid. That pick was stupid. And the hardest part of all of this is for me to remember that, remember that while I'm hearing good things about this guy, and bad things about this guy, but honestly, mostly good things. You can't find anybody that will say anything bad about the top six or seven guys in this draft. And yet we know one of them's going to suck. One of them might be a journeyman. One of them, you know, you just, you never know. And so like, let's just say the Porter thing. Okay. All the group think told us, 
across the board, he's eight around there. Everybody had him in the back half of the top 10, right? Okay. Well, now, as of last week, someone said to me, are you sure he couldn't go two? And you have seen in virtually every mock draft, he has moved way up. Again, no disrespect to mock drafts. Everybody's doing the same thing. I, I don't but, know if that's just, uh, totally true, though, Chris. But Kevin, like, nothing we, has we, happened no, but, but, with no, Michael but, Porter. No, but like, week of the lottery, I heard that the Kings had interest in Porter. Maybe not two, but maybe in a trade down. Yeah, maybe in a trade down. But what I'm saying is, if we're looking at these mocks... <laughs> we're already arguing. <laughs> <laughs> we're already arguing. <laughs> Michael Porter is moving up in all of the mocks he hadn't done he's done nothing except for a one workout where he shot the ball and another that he was going to be a little, it was going to be more physically taxing, even though it was going to be against, uh, I, I suppose a very formidable chair of which he has canceled. All right. Well, just one quick note, Chris, actually while recording Jonathan Gavoni of draft express reported that their camp set out an update to teams that were supposed to attend that tomorrow and said, quote, Porter will be evaluated again tonight as on Thursday. So by the time you hear this on Friday, we'll know more. Okay. And, and if the doctor feels Michael is moving well enough to go through the medical evaluation tomorrow, then we are going to proceed with the evaluation at 3 p.m. Central Standard Time tomorrow. Okay. But here is the thing that I'm saying. And he's the back half of the top 10 on almost every list you could find. And now he's moved way up, which makes me go, geez, man, maybe he has been too low this whole time. And I'll talk, and I have to keep in my head. The way that happens is because people talk to people, as do I, people they trust, of which they think that like you're, you're hearing the high opinion. You're hearing the good things about the guy from whoever you may be talking to. And people are well-sourced throughout the league. And what I have to have in my head is these people are always wrong. Always. <laughs> They're always wrong. So there is no difference between what Michael Porter was Two weeks ago, and what he is today. None. Absolutely none. No difference. And so, like, have teams gotten his medical reports? Last week, he took the, the physical with the Chicago Bulls, and they okay. were going to distribute that out to certain teams. Yeah, from what I was told, there is there was more to come on the medicals. That it was kind of like... So far, so good, but whatever. But he's, he's actually a good one, because he's obviously been a huge topic recently. Because... I live in a city where there's a ton of people that want Michael Porter to be the pick. You know, we never have, had a have super going fourth right now in the mock. Yeah, never yep. had a superstar. Really need a superstar. I will tell you, I would not do it. And if the Grizzlies took him, and uh, all right, let me let me do the three things. First of all, if they passed on him and he became a star, I would forgive them. If they took him and he got injured, I would never ever forgive them for that ever and if yeah, I, I mean you're talking about like a specific back injury that re-aggravates his current injury yes like oh, yeah, not, sure. not, a, not a freak injury yeah. oh no something yeah. that would be connected to listen right. tiger woods in 2014 had this same thing done and there have been steve kerr had it done i mean there have been, now those guys had complications that's with, not right? super super encouraging those guys are in no. their 40s but it is what, but it is what, it, it it is what Steve Kerr had done. It is what Tiger Woods had done. Uh, Dwight Howard had it before the twelve thirteen season, right. where he had his lowest rebounding total up to that point in his career. I mean, he I was just, really bad when he came back. That's tough. Yeah, I'm petrified, absolutely petrified. And for a team that cannot get it wrong, that you can't get this wrong. And so, to me, he is just 
not worth the risk. The only thing that would be worth the risk would be somebody that I thought could like end up being possibly a Hall of Famer if they reach their ceiling. And I don't really see that. Like it's actually a good parallel to the MB thing, isn't it? Um, my friend Gary Parrish from CBS wrote about this, and I had not thought about it before. The reason Joel Embiid moved down on draft boards or didn't get drafted number one was because of injury concerns. And some people thought, at least Michael Porter going into the college season, most people thought he was going to be the number one pick in the draft. He had won all of the high school accolades. You know, he had all the stuff going for him. McDonald's All-American MVP, Gatorade Player of the Year, the whole nine. And so the injury concerns is why he is where he is on the boards. So in retrospect, I mean, obviously the Embiid thing has has worked out. I just look at it and, and we say it's worked out. He's played less than 100 games still. <laughs> um, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I would forgive a franchise for passing on him. But if he got injured again, I would deem that unforgivable. And then if you took him and he become a big star, then I just say I was wrong. We're not doctors, though. We we yeah. we if we had the medical in our hands, we not might not be able to even decipher what what's actually happening. If if the Grizzlies or any other team perceive that you know what this back injury is not going to be a concern over the rest of the, of the players, bro, career. they signed Chandler Parsons, Kevin. Uh, I know. I know. <laughs> so I know. don't play this card that was with me. Nice don't play this card <laughs> with me. But maybe for I, Memphis, they ain't. Do- <laughs> hey, hey, I know this. They ain't doctors. <laughs> Well, they might be bad, doctors. Chris. Chris, I got a question for you. Yeah. Do you care about fit with Gasol and Conley, or do you describe the best player at four? Does it matter at all? I do in the sense, and I think this is actually the way they're going to go, is this is really a bigs and a guards top 10, right? There's very few in between. I think that's why you're seeing Knox move up these boards, just because he's a wing. But there's not that many guys, like, in terms of fitting with... I think that they want somebody that is going to help them win games next year. That would be the hope. And if that can't be achieved, if you can't get, like, I think Bagley would help you win games next year. Jaron Jackson might not very much. I don't think he does. I mean, mean, he plays Gasol's position, so it's tough. Yeah, it might be two years. Well, I mean, they'd play him at four. That's what they do. Should it be a factor, Chris? A guy who can help immediately, or are you more worried about you know three years from now with Marcus Sol when he retires and Mike Conley is towards the end of his contract? Oh no, I just want the best player. End of story. Um, so regard, very, regardless if he helps now or later, yeah, I'm. Uh, yes, I am. Get the best guy. It's funny. My wife said to me this morning. I was telling her about some uh, draft stuff. She couldn't care less, right? And I said, you know, the draft's only a week away. And I said, you know, we got the number four pick. And she said, I know what pick. I was watching the lottery, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Right. And she's like, I know all about the lottery. I said, oh, yeah. I said, well, who should they take? And they should, <laughs> her answer was, they should take somebody good. <laughs> and that's, that's a great answer. Truth. Hey, it's as simple as it gets. Take somebody good. I'm not so worried about in all the minutia and the discussion of how he fits and whatever. I, I want somebody good. And history will tell us that ain't as easy as you think it is. Very basic. Take somebody that's good. And so that's what I hope they do. <laughs> Chris, one other thing I wanted to ask you about. Would you be open to trading down from that spot if Bagley's not there and you don't perceive Porter as the guy? Jackson's too young. Would you be open to trading down and getting more assets, like going to eight or going to like 12 or 13 13. even from the Clippers? Yeah, it always depends on what you get, right? What did we talk about a couple of weeks ago? It was like, is it the Tobias? Tobias Harris, 12 and 13, and just let's just say 
the sweeteners Patrick Beverly or something. You get it, you talk about grit and grind, Patrick. Yeah, Beverly. and I'm giving up and I'm giving up four in Parsons. Yeah, sure, four in Parsons. Yeah, dump that contract. To I LA. think I'd have to. I, I I think I'd have to make sure I get who I want at twelve and thirteen. That's what I'd say. Do you have people on your radar at twelve and thirteen? If you're giving me Beverly, I don't need his clone, call him Sexton, but I am in love with Colin Sexton. So I would give anything to get him. He is one of those that I think this this process, I, I just don't get it. I don't get it. Gotta, gotta prove you can shoot and can Yeah, listen, I've, I've, I, you know how many times I've covered guards that can't shoot that have become all-star caliber level players? I mean, we just talked about this the other day on on the NBA show. Shooting, you can fix. And when you are now able to get into the gym. What I need is a hard worker. That kid is a hard worker. He is, he's not smart. He's brilliant. It's like a constant 4.0 kid plays every game. Like it's his last. He can jump out of the building. So he's got all the athleticism in the world. I mean, we just got to slow him down, learn how to play the NBA game. And then obviously you can go practice your shots, but does he have the kind of wherewithal that he's going to be in the gym all the time? you know, practicing and getting better. And he, to me, is wired exactly like that type of a kid. And so I just, I don't get it. I don't get what people don't love about him, honestly. Verno, I, I hope all your dreams come true on draft night. And I hope uh, either Bagley at four, I hope they trade down and get Sexton and a Miles Bridges type at 13. Who Chris, do you, I, I, I know you guys just updated it last night. You have Jackson going three. We have Luka Doncic going three right now. Oh, he ain't going. Order four, Jackson five. You know what somebody brought up to me today for the first time? Was the Grizzlies trading up. Mm. Sonny Vaccaro brought this up to me out of nowhere and said... Oh, nice name. Sonny Vaccaro. I like it. Well, listen, I'm not just name dropping like I was just talking. He was on my show. (laughs) So (laughs) I do know that Chris Wallace and Vladi Divac have a long relationship, right? I don't know if Dave Yeager would threaten to run out into traffic if they traded two for four. But let's just say that they like Doncic, right? And the Grizzlies could get Bagley, but they need to get to two to get Bagley because if Bagley's there at three, Atlanta's going to take him. So could you trade up to get to two while Sacramento still gets their guy, let's say it's Doncic, at four? And I was like, hmm. And that would be able, that's obviously how the Grizzlies could get up to get a guy that they like in Bagley. It, it certainly seems like it's going to be active on draft night, Chris. Hope you know what I said? Re- you know oh, what oh. I said, Kev? I said, we'll give him Macklemore back. Hopefully, one of these things happen for you, Chris, on draft night. Next Thursday night, looking forward to it. We'll be talking again. Chris, good talking to you, man. Thank you for joining draft class. Thanks, guys. Next up, we're going to bring in our resident Magic fan at TheRinger.com, Kevin Clark. But first, we're going to hear from our sponsors. Today's Ringer NBA show, Draft Class, is brought to you by Sonos. I love my Sonos so much. I have listened to Licky Lee's new album, So Sad, So Sexy, about probably 50 times already. And about 40 of those times has been on my Sonos Playbase home theater because... I can do whatever I want in my in my room. I can watch TV while I'm listening to music. I can be cooking in the kitchen while listening to music. It has changed my music listening experience, my TV viewing experience, because I can alternate between music and TV. I can listen in different rooms in my apartment. I love it so much. It's my favorite thing. And Father's Day is coming up. And Sonos and Spotify have you covered. Go to fathersday.sonos.com and get a code for 15% off when you create a custom Spotify playlist you can send to dad. Simply select your favorite artist in the year you were born, then do the same for your dad. And bam, Spotify will generate the perfect playlist to bridge the generation gap. 
Go to fathersday.sonos.com and get 15% off when you create your playlist. The playlist generator expires June 17th and terms and conditions apply. Now back to draft class. We're back. We got Kevin Clark in studio, host of Slow News Day, NFL writer at TheRinger.com, and the biggest Magic fan that I know. How deep is that list? It's one. <laughs> so right now in the Ringer's mock draft that was updated last night, Kevin, we have Mo Bamba mm-hmm. going to the Magic with the sixth pick in the draft. Right now, the Magic are paying Bismack Biyombo $17 million, yeah. Vucevic $12.75. Got a couple other big men in their history. You know, a guy by the name of Dwight Howard. You feel good about drafting a big man with no. the sixth pick in the so draft? No, I didn't think he was a fit for the Magic until I read the draft guide on TheRinger.com. And it says here under minuses that he's only a theoretical shooter. <laughs> and I thought that this is a fit. I've watched six years of the rebuild, and it's just nothing but theoretical shooters. That is a culture fit in Orlando. <laughs> is, there, is there a guy that does stand out to you that's a, an actual fit, though, not just a theoretical so, fit besides Bamba? Uh, so there's a couple of things. So first of all, broadly, I just want to talk about how I view prospects. Because when the, when the rebuild first started, and we knew we were going to be in the lottery. I was so excited that I would start scouting these prospects a year out. You would sort of look at the high school seniors because you know they'd be one and done. So you're looking at Nerlens Noel. I remember even um, you know the, the Wiggins year, watching a lot of Wiggins tape because right. you didn't know what I was going to be, Carl Anthony Towns. And now I just have disdain. It, it has beaten me down. The draft process has beaten me down to where now I just hate all prospects because the Magic have just drafted so many guys who haven't panned out that I am now His own, yeah. extremely negative about the entire draft process. Having said that, if there's someone I'm talking myself into at six, it would probably be, and I know this is controversial, especially on this pod, uh, Trey Young. Because I, I think he's— Oh, interesting. I think he's exciting. He he's, he's fills a need. I feel like exactly what you said. We have—say what you will about Biombo, who is absolutely a waste of space and a bad contract, but <laughs> we have a lot of bigger bodies on the team to where maybe we start building up the backcourt. That's the way I would go. I mean, we drafted Isaac last year. He's sort of a, a a general forward. We have a lot of tweeners there. So I feel like if we're going to start building from somewhere, I'd love to see us start building the backcourt up a little bit. Yeah, Kevin, I'm curious. How do you feel about Isaac right now? Obviously, he was hurt most of the year. So he played 30 games last year. Hard to get a gauge on it. He, you know, it was funny because as a journalist, when I when I view sort of off-season puff pieces— you know, oh, the Dolphins are going to get a lot from Devontae Parker type thing. I'm always like, why is anybody writing this? Like, this is terrible. Who does this serve? Like, this is obviously not true. And then the other day, the Orlando Sentinel had a Jonathan Isaac is gaining muscle story. Oh, And yes. I was just like, oh, oh hell yes. Yep. Just as a non-journalist, I was just like, oh, my God, yes. This story fucking rules. And... uh and so that's where I am with Jonathan Isaac now. I've just read one story that says he's, he's getting put, beefy. He's putting he's putting on muscle, <laughs> and now I'm just I'm beside myself with excitement. The funny, but I mean, his his rookie year was was a write off, basically. Funny thing is, is like me, Danny, and John, we've each respectively liked some of the guys on the Magic's roster. I love Hazonia. In his yeah. year. I love Hazonia. I love Hazonia. John loved really, Isaac. I thought they had a really good draft last year. I really loved Isaac. I love Awundu. I think that's I a, a very good kind of modern way to build, you know, your wing, your forward depth. And yeah, I I kind of agree. I think the Magic are kind of fated to draft Trey Young. Well, it feels like they need a point guard. They need a point guard, they but also, point guard. also they need some 
excitement. I know you're not yeah. supposed to draft for that kind of stuff, but like they need to start. Just can we please just score the basketball? Right. Can we get some shooting? Not theoretical yeah. shooting. Yeah. You're talking actual about a, a, shooting. a culture of theoretical shooters. You get a guy who's actually one of the three best shooters in the in the draft. Yeah. And I honestly don't care about defense as much because we got Cliffy, that's Cliffy coaching say. him up. That, that's what I was going to say. It, so, it sounds to me that you're not as worried about defense. You just want add some scoring, somebody who can help now and actually put this team in a so, position to where they can do something. One thing Orlando has is athletes. And I think that if you have a really, really good defensive coach, which I believe Steve Clifford to be, that you can take athletes and make them good defensively. And I feel like if Trey Young's liability, that's fine because we're going to be able to turn some of those guys into, into defensive stars. Isaac, I mean, even Gordon, well, Isaac, guys around him. Isaac, if Isaac showed anything last year was perimeter defense. Right. And so I feel like we can do that. By the way, I was just talking to Justin Barrier. No one calls Steve Clifford Cliffy. And I feel like that's a mistake. Did they call him Cliffy at Orlando? No, 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 time? no. I just call. I just started calling him Cliffy as soon as he yeah. was hired. Well, you might be a trendsetter. This yeah. is the Ringer NBA show. I think they so call a lot, him a lot of Cliff. NBA fans. I think they call him Cliff, which is kind of like you know the pop bud kind of thing. Right. No, let's not do Cliffy. that. Let's go Cliffy. Cliffy. I love Cliffy. I'm in. If he was a hockey player, it'd be Cliffy. Are you in, John? I sound like Coach Nick saying, "Are you in?" That's a deep cut for. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, get some good players, and don't worry about the coach. What do you think about? Um, <laughs> What do you think about Aaron wow. Gordon's contract? You think, Kev, you think Kevin, he'll max him Kevin out? Kevin looks very unhappy with All him, right, John. Do I think he'll max him No, they're, they're going to match anything that he gets. Will someone go out and offer him the max? Probably, and then the magic will match. I'm okay with that. I mean, at this point, I, we are so desperate for Like, any, what's the difference? Keep a good player kind of yeah, thing? Yeah, any, any good player we just need to keep. We can't let the only player who's shown himself to be... Can we agree that Aaron Gordon could be the fifth best player on a contender fourth best I, player i think he could be better than the fourth or fifth best he's still only 22 years old he's yeah i mean super, fournier's super probably young. a bench shooter on a good team after that fournier and vooch could both play play in the yeah, rotation the for, a, for a championship team but 30 million dollars so after to both that of them. though i don't know the large chunk of the cap too though i totally agree and, and i think the biggest problem right now for the magic is that all of their contracts we are locked in to a lot of those guys. Now, a lot of them aren't horrendous. Vooch is two more years at 12 each. Mm-hmm. Fournier is, I think he signed through 2020. And so, I mean, we it's not like we've got these guys coming off the books anytime soon. Biombo's signed for two more years. I wonder if he's going to pick up that 2020 option. I don't know. He's going to have that's <laughs> 17 million. That's 17 million. Next year around this time, that's going to be the conversation. So, Will Bismarck yeah, yeah. pick up a 17 million dollar option? Fournier is signed through 2021 at 17 per. With an option. <laughs> Vooch is only signed through next year. And so we're going to have to start making tough decisions on who we want to be in our future. Now, the good news is the Magic have shown no upward mobility. <laughs> so it's going to be very, very easy on some of these guys. Vooch does not make... If Vooch makes teams better, then God help us. He because added we won 25 games last year. He as did Aaron Gordon. Three. Yes. And we won 25 games. <laughs> the funny thing thank is... God, I guess, Kevin, thank God they all, all, added those three-pointers. The, otherwise, the, what the hell would have happened The last funny thing year? is, Kevin, is all these big contracts we're talking about come from that summer of 2016 yeah. when for a couple of years it seemed like Orlando was on the rebuilding path, taking it slow, and then suddenly they're like, we got to try to make a push for the playoffs. They were pushing it, for mediocrity, and that's it, It's incredible. Happened. Like, And you see all the signings that they made, and you're just like, oh, okay, so they're gunning for the eighth spot. They were yeah. nowhere close yeah. to the eighth spot. Nowhere close. Nowhere. You know, they had a guy who was pretty good named Victor Oladipo and yeah. they traded him away. Mm-hmm. That trade Oof. often gets overlooked. Like, everybody talks about OKC trading him to Indiana, but it's like, well, what about Orlando trading him to OKC? 
Well, what about beyond that, which is basically the assets that we gave up in that trade mm-hmm. also became Paul George. So we could have had, theoretically, obviously it's very different because George <laughs> yeah. wouldn't have come. There's no reason to trade for him. It's a different but timeline. There were there were different trades here. One of them involves keeping Victor Oladipo. One of them involves sending the assets we have and getting Paul George. We ended up with Serge Ibaka, who then became Terrence Ross, who then became Terrence Ross and the 25th pick, which we then traded for a 2020 conditional pick. Oof. To the Sixers. That is a protected remarkable. first rounder and a second rounder, I believe. Now, Victor Oladipo is an all NBA player. Kevin, one thing I wonder with a team like Orlando, would you rather take a guy who's more of a sure thing or you still want to take home run swings after being the lottery so long? Like, do you want boom bust guys or like safer picks? I think the only way to change the culture at this point is land an absolute superstar, like a Donovan Mitchell type, where we go, okay, we know what we are, we know who our guy is, let's start building. I think the more low ceiling guys we get, the more we stay. In this this whole pattern, I, I just I we need something. I mean, every time. So you have to think about the history of the Magic, okay, John? So we're absolute dog shit expansion team, and then we get Shaq, and then we build it with Penny, and then and then everybody else, and then we're an absolute dog shit, not a dog shit, but a fairly mediocre team, and then right. we get T Mac, and then we're back. And then we're absolutely terrible at the end of Doc Rivers' tenure, and then we hit on Dwight Howard and we build every single ebb and flow. With Orlando has started with the drafting or the acquisition of a superstar. That's of a, the of only a big way superstar change. of a big man. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's why yeah. it's so bad they didn't get the lottery this year. This would have been the perfect year to move up to the top three. That yeah. was very unfortunate timing. I think with Mo Bamba, just to circle back to him, Kevin. Yes, he's just a theoretical shooter, but he doesn't need the th- the shooting to be an impact player in the NBA with his rim protection ability, with his rim running potential, his mobility. Potentially, as a defender, he's somebody who can anchor a defense long term. I, I do think that there is a, a boom upside with him if that shot comes, though. It's like he has a foundation, he has a floor, but then he has that ceiling if the shot develops, if he continues improving his footwork. I think at number six, if he gets there, he should probably be on top of the list for Orlando. Do more you so think Trey Young. Either Trey Young, you know more about this than I do, either Trey Young or Bamba have the capability to be, be the best player on a contender As, in, in, in four years. I don't think either of them are the best player on a contender now. I don't, but just from everything you've talked about in getting the magic out of this, I don't know, stasis that they're in, Trey Pur- Young purgatory. is a guy. Yeah, purgatory. Trey Young is a guy who you put him on a team, yeah. you instantly have to reorient your team around him. And that in itself is kind of something that's interesting to me. Kevin, last question for you. Yeah. Let's say it's not Trey Young. Okay. Mo Bamba's the pick. Yeah. Are you okay with it? Or can you talk yourself into Mo Bamba? Well, at right this now point, it happened. It's I've Mo Bamba. been so ludicrously wrong on everything. I mean, so is, so is Rob Hennigan. Mm. But every time I'm excited. <laughs> hey, that's the director of insight and foresight. Director right. of insight and foresight. So I, every, I was more excited about Alfred Payton than I was about Aaron Gordon. I was through the roof about about Mario Hazonia. Me too. Same. Yeah. And <laughs> Dead so, wrong. All of us. <laughs> I mean, am I okay with it? Yeah. I, I, I truly believe that this front office, Hammond and Weltman, are much better basketball guys than Rob Hennigan. Definitely. I, I, so I trust them to make a good pick. I think Steve Clifford will at least impart some defensive identity into the team. So I just... I do believe there's going to be an uphill climb here. And I, I, I think it starts this year. I'm, I'm happy we're going on, on a positive note. Kevin, thank you for joining the show, man. Thanks for having me. 
Now we get Tommy Alter from the Ringer.com I'm in here. studio. Look at this. What's going on, oh Tommy? Can't believe I was finally invited on the show. I Legend know. of the flesh. T- wow. T- took long enough. So you're from New York, but you became a Bulls fan. How, how did that happen, Tommy? So I've been a fan of all Chicago sports teams since I was a kid. My family is all from Chicago. So I grew up going to Cubs games, Bears games, Bulls games. Uh, and the Bulls have weirdly... Like obviously the Jordan years were a fun team to root for, but for most of my life have been a fun team to root for because they've they've always mm. been sort of like an overachieving, right, spunky team. The Lou well, Dang, yeah, Nocioni, yes, years. the yeah. the Heine- Kirk, Kirk Heinrich, coming I mean Heinrich, back. Heinrich yeah. sort of became a joke. The by great the end. Eddie Curry, yeah, well, <laughs> that, the, no, but like like obviously Derek, obviously Derek, but like Joakim, Nate, Nate Robinson. Right. They were always the team that basically they, they were sort of embodied by Thibodeau. And no matter what the talent was on the roster, they would always make the playoffs and they would always lose to LeBron like everybody else. But they would make a run and they would make it interesting. <laughs> They'd win like a couple games against LeBron. Yeah. And, and now they're embodied by Fred Hoiberg and well, Gar so, Garpax. How well, are you so feeling as a Bulls went, fan, Tommy? It all went south. I'll tell you exactly when it went south. Derek's last series in Chicago where they lost to the Cavs in six games. Oh, yeah. The David Blatt series where he didn't draw the play. The, da- the David Blatt and series. And they yeah. went up in the series 2-1. Derek had a, hit a uh, buzzer beater three. It was sort of like his yep. last hurrah as a bull. He hit this great sort of dramatic three to put them up 2-1. Game four of that series. 2015, uh, by the way. 2015. Yep. Game four of that series. They have LeBron on the ropes. A little bit similar, actually, to the Pacers series, Pacers Cavs series this year, where he's on the ropes. You can see him sort of cracking a little bit, and then he pulls a win in Game Four in Chicago, sort of out of his ass, where he hits this crazy buzzer beater uh, from the corner, and then the Cavs just take they, they like that's it. This right. they're broken, and they end up blowing the Bulls out in Game Six in Chicago, and everyone's saying, "Okay, like this is it for Thibodeau." It's been there's been rumors Thibodeau's been on the rocks with Foreman and Paxson, and it's always been unclear like. The power structure in Chicago, who's actually the boss? My sense is it's Paxson, and Foreman is a, just a, a is a, sort of a nice patsy for them to kind of pin stuff on. <laughs> hmm. um, but after that happened, Thibodeau, I think, lasted two more days, and they fired him. And Hoiberg, who they've been rumored about hiring that entire season, there was sort of whispers about it. They bring him on, and immediately everything goes to shit. The team goes to shit. Like <laughs> it just was everything that Jimmy Butler gets traded a year later. Jimmy Butler gets traded a year later, but the year, but that year was just miserable. No one's happy. The fans aren't happy. Right. The team doesn't play hard. Everything that like Bulls fans got spoiled by, which was like maybe we won't win a championship, but they're going to be fun to watch, and they're at the very least going to sort of like try and and. <laughs> And and give you bang for your buck. That all went away. And now we're here. We're and the now Bulls. We're here. Three years later, after yes. the Tom Thibodeau era, forty-two wins, forty-one wins, twenty-seven wins, and they have Larry Markin as the centerpiece and, and the seventh pick in the draft. And a team probably. that they've all they've been talking about is like, you know what? We're going to be really bad, and then we're going to get a top three pick. And they can't even do that right. <laughs> Not bad enough. <laughs> Wait, never bad enough. Can we bring up the Jordan Bell thing for a second? Absolutely. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. floor is yours. That, okay. Can one of you guys explain? Was there is there any defense of this? <laughs> no. um, so uh, for, no. I, I they want money, right? Yeah, for the front office there is because it comes. It comes from ownership. If you're going to trade a pick in a draft, that's so it's, it's, like, just, it's just like you're defending your own job. So you have to do what, what your sure. what your yeah. owner tells uh, you. I would say that's the case for for guard packs in the front office. But yeah. to me, is that any? It's one of the more egregiously bad 
moves of the NBA over the last five years. My case, like Jordan Bell is not a superstar. I mean, trading a second round pick. I don't no, know if, I'd le- if no, it's no, no, top but, five. but this is but this is my this is my argument for it. Is I think you that, just sound miserable, Tommy. Well, this is no, but but everybody knew everybody knew at the time because they traded they sold him. Right. They traded him for cash. There was no even the Isaiah. The Kyrie Isaiah trade, there was an argument in theory that this was like a good deal. It just ended up being a disaster. There was no argument for this being a good deal. Well, like, I, I remember that night, like, so when Jordan Bell was drafted by the Bulls, I was like, awesome. Like, they made a great pick. And then, like, two minutes later, Woj or Shams or somebody reported that they dealt the pick for those maximum three point five yeah, million to the Golden State Warriors of all teams. Showing it to the Warriors. Yeah. Like, no one do this anymore. The Warriors have enough good players. Like, let's just stop by selling way, picks to the Warriors. I think this please. is going to happen with the Warriors again this year. They're mm. going to buy another pick. Oh, no so, doubt. I don't know if it's going to be as good as Jordan, but that's their whole strategy. I, I heard like maybe another late first, but even like not even. Just yeah, a they're going to we'll buy see. some wing. They're going to buy yeah. some wing in like the end of the first round, and Ser- probably going to end up being really good. Seriously, PSA: the rest of the league, stop doing this. What are you doing? Please <laughs> don't don't help them out. <laughs> don't help them out. But Tommy, Bulls have the seventh pick in the draft, and they they failed at tanking as you mentioned. But yeah. the seventh pick, they're still in a position where they can get a quality player. Is there? Anybody who sticks out to you that's like a best fit next on Larry Markin or a guy that you have a preference for? I think, I mean, I don't know whether he will be there. It sounds like he won't be. I would love for them to pick Porter, even with the injury stuff. If he somehow if he somehow ends up there, because that to me, with him, you're just you're you're rolling the dice, and if the dice rolls in the right way, you get the guy that you tanked for, which is like the superstar, game-changing talent who comes in and all of a sudden is because to me, like in a in a perfect world. Lowry's like the second best player on a championship team. He's not the guy that's right. going to be. He's everyone loves doing this sort of baby Dirk comparison, but like that's a sort of a pipe dream. Like he's the guy that if he's your, he can give you twenty four, twenty five points a game potentially down the road. But you need someone else there who's creating their own shot at the end of the game. And Porter, I think, could be that guy. Realistically, they're going to end up with. Wendell Carter. I, 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 I don't see how this like the, he's just the perfect Bulls sort of safe pick. Tommy, I'm curious. What do you feel about Levine and Dunn? How do you feel about those guys as your backcourt going forward? I mean, Levine's shooting numbers are a lot better than he gets credit for. And in, even in that trade, like it's very clear Minnesota traded the wrong guy. They should have traded Wiggins over Levine in the same deal. <laughs> and they would have gotten the, like the deal would have happened. Yeah. And Levine would have been a much better fit on that team. That backcourt together is... I just think it's like a very clear work in progress. Like I wouldn't be surprised if like Chris Dunn isn't even on the Bulls next year. I, no, nothing at this point is just besides besides Lowry being there. I think everything else is sort of up in the air. And the tough part for them at the seventh pick this year is like, yeah, you can make an argument for Trey Young. I was going to ask you guys, what he, do you think about the trade? Because there's been a lot of whispers about that for about, the Bulls for about the Bulls and Trey Young. I mean, I, look, they, it, he can score, right, Danny? Yeah, it, it's really just like you were saying with Porter. The reason why you want to take a swing at seven is because you want to get the guy who can be that type of star presence for the team. And so Trey Young at his best, that's kind of what you can see. You know, that first half of his college career was just like incredible. Yeah. But I I don't know how they kind of make that fit. I mean, Dunn's big enough to guard twos. He's big enough to be a two. That guy's huge. But having the pieces kind of fit around that. And what's tricky about Dunn is he actually showed a lot of flashes last year, but I still don't think Especially he has— Especially defense. Yeah, I don't yeah, think he yeah. has any trade value, so you're still selling super low on him. Right. And you'd want to give him like at least another year or so to— You mentioned two of the guys from the Jimmy Butler trade, Zach Levine and Chris Dunn. You know, it's been a year now. Yeah. It's about since that happened. 
how are you feeling about that trade at this point? Can I, can is, I bring up a worse trade than than that trade? Because that trade was <laughs> that trade was is that I love Jimmy. I, I love Jimmy. I'm partial to Jimmy. Jimmy's yeah. like is like the ultimate what I was talking about guy that always balls out, James always game. play hard. Yeah, C- I love Jimmy. But obviously Lowry's turned into a nice player, and and making the move to sort of blow it up as Kevin loves to talk about that makes it, it makes sense and it made sense for them because they were trending towards the four seed every year and that's just where they were going to be the trade 2014 you guys know what I'm talking about no Doug McDermott <laughs> Doug McDermott to the Bulls oh, that was brutal Doug man. McDermott to the that Bulls for pick 16 and 19 which turned into Yusuf Nurkic and Gary, Gary Harris, Harris. Yep. yep now you yeah. tell me if Yusuf <laughs> Nurkic and Gary Harris would be like nice fits on the Bulls right now for Doug McDermott, who I don't even think should be in the NBA if it wasn't such a good college player. Can you name what team he's on currently? McDermott? <laughs> yes. I mean, I would say the Knicks, but uh, is that wrong? I don't know. It's wrong. You're wrong. Who is it? He plays for my Dallas Mavericks. Did not do much He got either. traded to the Mavericks? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I see, yeah that's, I, that's what I'm saying. He shouldn't be in the NBA. Doug McDermott's career, 2014-15 with the Bulls, 2015-16 with the yeah. Bulls, 2016-17, Bulls. OKC, 2017-18, Knicks, and Dallas, this is so what, four and, teams in three and seasons. And this is what infuriates Bulls fans is Gar Foreman has like these weird Iowa connections. He's from Iowa or something. Uh, I don't know I've heard about this. The Iowa, Fred Iowa Horberg, like from it. Iowa. Doug McDermott, like for, it's like they're like the Iowa, they're like the Iowa team. And it's like, if you have any connection, I'm amazed they didn't somehow end up with like Barnes. Like they just get these random. I mean, they could. They could. Like just get these <laughs> random guys from Iowa, none of whom have like worked out at all. And everyone else, if you're not in this mold of like good college player, like. Upperclassman. Upper, yeah. Upperclassman, yeah. quote unquote, like nice kid or whatever. You're like dead to them, which is just crazy because it's just not how you build a team in any sport. You don't do it based <laughs> on the, on weird like friendships and geographical location right. you just just take the best person so it kind of sounds like the bulls are getting mikhail bridges from what you're saying yeah <laughs> uh probably the only i would not only be, i wouldn't yeah, be yeah. i wouldn't be stunned i wouldn't be stunned. i just think carter fits more with the horford comparisons i love the fit next to Lowry with carter yeah but i also like carter a lot more than to be honest I, I don't being. i haven't watched enough carter to really know mm-hmm. I just read the Horford things and I'm like, well, Horford's pretty good. So, <laughs> so that ends up, but I, that's but, a good way to do it. I think. Yeah. But if that, if that ends up being the pick, like it's, people it's, that I trust that mm-hmm. have watched enough Carter think that it's, a, it's safe and it's a, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, do you want to be nuts? You, no, I don't. That's no, why I want no, Porter. Okay. Even if Porter has a bad back, I think that the whole point of this draft was not to be safe. The whole point yes. was to be sexy, to be mm-hmm. sexy. Tommy, last question for you. Yeah. Porter's off the board. At seven. Carter's off the board. Right now we have Kevin Knox going seventh to the Bulls in our mock draft on the Ringers 2018 NBA draft guide. If that's what happens next Thursday night. If they get Kevin Knox. If they get Kevin Knox with the seventh pick in the drafts, what's your I'm reaction? Not gonna be, I'm not going to be happy. You're reaching for a guy that that you might don't be know Michael Porter Jr. <laughs> might be, but he's also, you know, we know nothing about. <laughs> and the whole, I guess the whole point of Going out of your way to take a year off was that you were just taking, you were going to be getting an impact player in the draft. And like Knox to me feels like there's a guy like this from Kentucky every year who's like, who's <laughs> like, oh, he's super, super highly rated recruit. We, we talked about this earlier, like a yeah, Trey Lyles type. He's like crazy yeah. athletic, da, da, da. and then he doesn't do that much in college, but like he may be good, may not be good. But I'd rather have Trey Young than Knox. Get a tank harder, Tommy. Get a tank harder. They do. That, you do. know what killed, you know, a couple things killed the Bulls. 
there was that weird stretch when Miritich got back where they yeah. became oh, the best team in the league. And it was terrible. <laughs> just ter- oh, that was actually a good move they made, though. They got a second first-round pick this hey, year so for see, Nico. That was, a, good stuff. That, was a, that was a good pick. And, and I have a question for you guys before I go. Yeah. For the Bulls, not this upcoming summer, what's the free agency thing that makes sense? Because they still are an attractive... The Bulls are... Chicago is an attractive place to play. The management system in place is not great. But the city is an attractive place to play. And if Lowry keeps growing, you're going to have a good young player to team with. Like, I heard from somebody, I said this to you, Kevin, it's not going to happen, obviously. It's not realistic. But, like, Chicago is, from all accounts, is maybe LeBron's favorite city to play in. As a... Just as a, purely as a city. And so, like, the Bulls, are, they've tried and failed, and they're not getting LeBron <laughs> this summer. It's not even... Twice. Yeah, yeah, tried and failed yeah, twice, but they yeah. came close. Mm-hmm. And part of that's because it's an attractive option for guys like that. And so, like, what's the 2020 plan for them? I mean, they're going to have a ton oh, of cap space. That's Right now, they only have $8 million guaranteed money for the 2020 summer. That's a long ways away, but I do wonder if maybe you're Chicago. By that point, you're like, hey, think about Chicago Giannis. native Anthony right. Davis. Yeah, I, I think you gotta right. go for AD. Yeah, go for AD Davis. Too, yep. Just go, just go sell mm-hmm. out All for in. him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you gotta gotta think ahead. And if they were able to build an appealing franchise, an appealing roster by then, where if you're if you're like AD or you're Giannis, and you're like, huh, you add me to this team, and like we make this one other move, suddenly the Chicago Bulls are contenders again. Are Giannis and AD free agents the same year? I think AD's free in two years. Giannis is in three, I think. Yeah. I have to double check. All right, I got Markinen, Giannis, Davis. That's the Sold. Plan. Quite a team. Sold, I'm going go out on a high, That's Tommy. the plan. Space Jam, Trey Young. <laughs> Tommy, thank you so much for joining the show today. Thank you guys for having me. Well, that was fun, guys. Jonathan, thank you for joining the show. As always, I'll see you all in LA next week. It's draft season, baby. Yeah. I'm ready for it. Come in here. We're going to do it in person with me, you, Danny, Isaac. Thank you, guys. Looking forward to next week. Absolutely. All right, y'all. Absolutely. From here in beautiful Los Angeles, thank you so much for listening to Draft Class. Please rate the Ringer NBA show five stars on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast. For extra credit, go check out the Ringer's 2018 NBA Draft Guide at nbadraft.theringer.com. We just updated the mock draft. Our rankings are going to be updated over the coming days, so check that out, please. Special shout-out to my friend Elon Musk opening a new tunnel in Chicago so Michael Porter can get from the airport to the Bulls Arena very easily. Looking forward to him using that. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great weekend. Have fun. Peace out.